Good morning, good morning. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to take them and turn with me to the Old Testament this morning. Joshua chapter 3, verses 14 through 17 will be our text. We'll read in just a few moments. There is a chapter at this very moment that is being written in the history of Big Woods Bible Church, and it's called this, The Move. And it's going to be neat to go back and see the Lord's hand and the way that he has blessed us and provided for us during this time. The next three weeks, we're going to consider the importance of this word faith. Faith literally is defined as belief in truth or trust in something or someone. We trust in God. I trust in God. And I am firmly um, committed to the fact that God is going to bless this church in amazing ways for the work of the gospel in our community. God is at work in ways that we don't even know it. I met a family in the first service that we're visiting for the very first time. Just moved into the area, husband and wife and two little kids, and asked the question, I'm like, how did you get to Big Woods Bible Church? He said, well, actually, we just moved into the community. I need a lawnmower. I didn't want to spend a lot of money on it, so I, I bought a lawnmower on Craigslist, used it one day, and the mower blew up. And he said, I, I, I put $100 on it, a sign, put it in the front lawn, just hoping that someone would just buy it. I would tell him it's, it's blown up. Maybe you can do something with it. He said that a guy stopped by, wanted to buy the lawnmower, uh, bought the lawnmower, and, and the guy asked him, he said, hey, what church are you going to? And he says, well, I don't know yet. And the guy said, well, I go to a Methodist church in the area but if I didn't go to that church, I would go to Big Woods Bible Church. The guy said, well, if you don't mind, why don't I just start there as opposed to starting at your church? It's neat that God is at work behind the scenes in ways that we often never even hear it or see it. Why? Because we have faith that God's going to continue to do a great work. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to read this text. And then we're going to pray and dive into it to see what the Lord has for us. Let me direct your attention to Joshua chapter 3. Pick up this narrative in verse 14. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan, with the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood, and they rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. And those flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel was passing over on dry ground. 
until the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we begin? Father, we do come before you right now. We are grateful for your word. We're grateful for the text that we have now before us. And I would ask that we would learn that you in your, um, in your power, in an amazing demonstration of your authority, would open our eyes and our ears to learn together as a body this morning. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness in over three decades as this, this church has been desiring to be obedient to you and fulfill the work of the gospel. Father, we, we ask right now that we would learn from our past and that we would continue to be characterized as people that are trusting you. Father, I just plead again this morning for help as I, I speak. I would pray, Lord, that you are glorified in every part of this. I pray, Lord, that we would be able to leave your house knowing that we have heard a word from you to be changed, to be challenged, to follow you, that you would equip us and enable us, that you would empower us to be clear communicators of the good news of Jesus, the gospel. Father, we love you. I love you. I love this church. I what you're doing. I love what you're doing in our midst. And I would ask now that you would, would be with us as we learn and as we grow. We ask this in a strong and powerful and wonderful name of our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus. Amen. And amen. I'm fully aware of the fact that it's a little hard to kind of pick it up right in the middle of a story. It seems like we read a text and it's just like, like we're, it's hard to pick it up. So what we are going to do intentionally is we're going to kind of back it up and we're going to ask the question, how, how, how did we get here? How do we get to this? Like what's happening in this particular text? Let me say first and foremost that we know from the word of God, the Bible teaches us that God has a plan to rescue people. But those people must demonstrate faith. They must trust in God's plan. So we go all the way back. How does the Bible start by way of the revealing or the teaching, the telling of this plan? Um, uh, God created everything, sun, moon, stars, oceans, and mountains, and fields, and fountains, and fish, and birds, and beasts, out of nothing. He spoke it, and it existed. It existed in that very moment in unmatched perfection and beauty. We know that God also created um, from the dust of the ground, man and woman in his own image. It says that he breathed into them the breath of life. And we know that their names were Adam and Eve. We know that God created Adam and Eve, just like he created each one of us with freedom to choose right from wrong. God placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden with very specific instructions to obey but they chose to disobey. And this is known as the fall of mankind. The fall of mankind resulted in death and destruction, which resulted in a worldwide flood, which resulted in more death and destruction. But God has a plan to rescue people. Thankfully, God's plan to rescue, to redeem all of mankind began with a promise to a man whose name was Abraham and a piece of land, a piece of ground called Canaan or the promised land. 
this plan, this promise was passed from Abraham onto his son Isaac and his grandson Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons and these 12 sons and their families grew to become 12 tribes which through hardship, God allowed them to move south into Egypt, but this nation Israel was born. This nation flourished even in the midst of captivity and hardship, and this little nation becomes a great nation. The Egyptians did not like them, subjected them to slavery, and yet God kept his promise, what? To bless this this nation. God kept his promise, although people were born into captivity, that he has a plan to rescue his people. God called another man by the name of Moses to lead his people out of Slavery, out of captivity. Moses was the God-ordained leader of the Israelites. He listened very, very carefully to the instructions that God gave to him, specifically how to free them from captivity when it was surrounded around the instruction of preparing and feasting on a particular meal called the Passover. After the Passover, Moses led the Israelites out of bondage in Egypt, crossing the Red Sea in a miraculous demonstration of God's power. He was greatly used by the Lord. Although he was not perfectly obedient, God used Moses to provide water from a rock and manna from heaven. Moses received the Ten Commandments and the law atop Mount Sinai. Moses served as a mouthpiece of the Lord, judging and correcting, instructing and leading the nation Israel in spite of the fact of their grumbling and their complaining for more than 40 years. Moses was a unique part of God's plan. Deuteronomy chapter 34 summarizes Moses' life like this. There has not arisen a prophet since in all Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, none like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord had sent him to do. By the time we pick up our particular text today, Moses has just recently died and a new leader has been appointed and his name is Joshua. Joshua, although he is a proven leader, he's a well-seasoned warrior He's godly, he's spirit-filled, is to say a little nervous is a bit of an understatement. He's nervous because of the weight of responsibility that has been placed upon his shoulders. We know that he's more than a little nervous by some of the wording that God gives to him. It says this in Joshua chapter 1 verses 5, Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. And then God says this in verse 6 to Joshua, only be strong and very courageous. And then God says this to Joshua in verse 9, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you will go. Now, how do we know this morning that Joshua was nervous and afraid? How? Because you only tell people who are afraid to not be afraid. If they are not afraid, you don't have to tell them four times to not be afraid. So we know that what? After a 40-year period of wandering in the desert, 
Joshua is now given the reins of leadership and the very first act, the very first job that God calls him to is a huge one. It is a daunting one. It's scary and overwhelming. God says to Joshua, I want you to get the ark, the ark, this box, it's about 50 inches long. It's 31 inches wide. It's 31 inches deep, made of uh, acacia wood, acacia wood. It's, it's literally gilded in gold. There's golden cherubims on top of it. Get this ark that has been in the tabernacle that represents the very presence of God. Get the priests, get all of the people, and I want you to cross the Jordan in the, in, into the promised land. I want you, Joshua, to move. Now, this is no small feat because we know that at this particular time, the river Jordan is swollen. It's flooded more than twice its normal size. And in addition to that, on the other side of the Jordan are enemies that want to kill the Israelites. Thus the what? Thus the order, thus the instruction for Joshua and the rest of the Israelites to demonstrate what? Complete obedience and to move, but move in faith. Let's stop here for a moment. But we have, we back it up to see how we get to where we're at now. Please, please, please hear me correctly on this. As we, as a local church, Big Woods Bible Church, prepare to move, I am not saying in any way, in any way, please don't misunderstand me or misquote me. I am not saying that Big Woods Bible Church has been wandering in the desert for the past 40 years. I'm not saying that. I am not suggesting even in the slightest way that by crossing Bald Eagle Creek, by driving over a bridge, And under Route 220 into the heart of Lock Haven is anywhere equivalent to crossing the Jordan into the promised land. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is this. I want you to hear me on this. I am suggesting that there are some great lessons on demonstrating faith that we can learn from right here from the nation Israel as the Lord continues to write another chapter in the history of Big Woods Bible Church. Three lessons, and the first one is this. Listen very carefully. Faith must be grounded in the word of the Lord. Faith must be grounded in the word of the Lord. We know faith has to be in something. What is it going to be in? It must be grounded in the word of the Lord. Note the assurance and very careful instruction that that God gives to Joshua. Earlier on in Joshua chapter one, it says this, I will be with you, I'll not leave you, I'm not gonna forsake you, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause the people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. And then God says this to Joshua, be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Joshua, I want you to listen very carefully to the instruction that I have already given. And then he says this, we didn't read it, but earlier in, in Joshua chapter 3, verses 9 and 2, 9 and 10, Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. Listen very carefully to the words, not of what the elders, not of the priests, you listen to the words of the Lord our God. Here is how you shall know that the living God 
is among you. Understand this. It is very, very clear that any demonstration of faith and work that God calls us to is not going to be based out of a vision that the pastor has or the elders. It's not going to be based out of any of our own wisdom. It must be based and backed upon what? Upon the word of God. This is our authority. We direct people all the time as a church, what, who are perhaps um, in our community, we, we, we direct them to what? www.bigwoods.org. You go to our website and there's a tab there that says, right away it says, well, what do we believe? And if you click that tab, there's a list that comes up and number one, at the top of the list, it says this, what we believe. Number one, that the Bible is the word of God and is our final authority for faith, life, and practice. We're not ashamed to say everything that we do must be based on this. Therefore, what have we done over the years? More than four decades, more than three decades, excuse me, that Big Woods has been in existence. Four different senior pastors. We have committed what? As elders and as an entire body of Christ, everything that we do, every decision we make must be grounded and founded on the authority of God's word, the Bible. We step out in faith. We move by faith, trusting the wisdom of God over the wisdom of man. Why is that important? Because we have some really wise people here, but our wisdom is not sufficient. God's wisdom is. What? what our word, it can be like put together and sound really good. Our word, our words is not perfect. But God's is. Our work, the work that we are doing, will never, ever last. But God's work will. So when the word of God instructs us as we move, we move together in unity. We move as one. And that's what we're going to strive to do. When the word of God teaches us what we, we need to live authentically. We've been learning about that the last couple weeks together. Then that's what we're going to do. If the word of God teaches us that we are to love unconditionally, then that's what we're going to do. If the word of God teaches us to what? Forgive one another very, very quickly. Don't, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Then that's exactly what we're going to do. If the word of God says that we are to give sacrificially so that we actually feel it. If the word of God says that we are to give joyfully, then that's exactly what we're going to do. As we do all of those things, we must keep the big picture in mind. What? Just as God was revealing a plan to rescue people, we have a little tiny part of that plan. We know that ultimately God was preserving a nation and a family and a people so that from that would come the Messiah, Jesus. When we flip to the Old Testament promised Messiah to the New Testament that reveals the Messiah, we now what? Are privileged to tell other people that the Messiah has come, Jesus. That he loved you enough to suffer on your behalf, to forgive you for your sins, to pay the price that you could not pay. That he was crucified on the cross, but that he rose again. 
And, and we don't lose the big picture that that's why we exist, to tell every single one in our entire community about Jesus and the gospel and the good news. It's our privilege to have a little tiny part in the plan. We move forward to offer the same good news that Jesus Christ says himself, that he came to seek and to save the lost. So as we move in faith, we must know that faith has got to be grounded, not in our words or wisdom, but it must be grounded in the word of the Lord. Secondly, what else do we learn from this? Faith must be willing to trust in more than the visible. Now we need to be aware as far as what's going on around us, but not overwhelmed. What we need to do constantly, constantly, consistently is remember God's faithfulness to us in the past and that motivates us to step out in faith in the future. We are reminded of God's provision and God's protection. If we think in this, this little narrative that we read, I don't know if you picked up on it or not, but there's one particular detail that just, it just fascinates me. When it comes to biblical history, when it comes about God who has a plan to rescue people, that, that it, the instruction was given very clearly to the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant. It says this, I'll read it again. See if you can pick up on it, verse 15 through 16. As soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water. What? Then the waters coming down from above stood up and rose in a heap. Do you realize like what's happening? What is the visible here? The visible is this flooded, rushing river in front of them. And the instruction is what? You're to go to the edge and then it's going to part? No, it's not like we see that. It's to go more than just the edge of it. It actually says until they put their feet until they get wet, until they take that step. And it makes no logical sense. There's a flooded river rushing in front of them. Like this is not working. No, obedience is what? You take that step of faith. That's exactly what Israel did. That's exactly what the priest did. What, 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 what is happening? Because they believe and they trust it that God would keep his word, that God would keep his promise to them. So must we. You go back to the, to, to, the, to the chapters that have been written in the history of Big Woods and you see God's faithfulness all over the place. I was thinking about just, just one of them. Some of you may have heard this story. Some of you may have not. And it talks about just, just even the, the, the warehouse and, and the process of how we got to where we are that we're within a couple of weeks of moving to a new worship facility to be together. It was um, late in the year 2013. It was actually early December 2013. And just by way of, of, of searching and digging and knocking on some doors, I, I found out who were the owners of the warehouse that, that we have since purchased and renovated. 
Um, and at that particular time, um, we did not know what the asking price was and we had saved up some money. And so I had arranged a meeting in my office with the owners of this piece of property, of this warehouse. And, um, and I had Bill Newman with me. I had Thane Turner with me. And, and I was sitting in my office and, and we had saved you, many of you through faithful giving for many, many years. We had saved up about $400,000 that we were able to have by way of offering that to purchase this piece of property. $400,000 is a lot of money. And as we were sitting and as we made our offer, we were actually given for the first time the asking price. We never really heard the asking price before. So, so by, by, by the way, so how much? And the meeting was about 15 minutes, about 15 minutes. And the guys were already starting to put their coats on and getting ready to leave because we weren't even close. We weren't even in the same ballpark. You see, we had saved up. We had offered them $400,000, but the asking price for that warehouse and that property was $1.4 million. Very quick math kind of tells you that we're a little bit shy, about $1 million dollars shy we're not even in the same ballpark that's the reason that the meeting ended a whole lot faster than i had expected and they started to put their coats on and they actually were walking out and i was walking them to the door and these two young guys i began to talk with and they said so like like what is this place anyway like what are you going to do with this and what do you guys do here so if you have a minute, let me, let me walk you around a little bit. And, and I remember I, I walked them up this set of stairs and, and I walked them up actually out on the stage. I'd hit a, a light switch so that there was only this light was on. It was dark out there. As I walked out here, these guys like, so like, and they knew nothing about, nothing about church. They were asking the question like, so this is like, this is your job. You do this full time. Like, what do you do here? They, they said this, like, how do you, like, do, do you, how do you make money? Like, do, do you make money doing this? How do you feed your family? And, and we were up here, and, 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 and it was dark, and all the chairs were empty. And I said, well, to tell you the truth, I said, there's some baskets that are in the back back there. And every single Sunday, we, we, each one of the services, we pass those baskets around. People put money in, and, and that's, how we, that's how we live. That's how this church survives. And the guy's like, wow. He goes, and so... He said, so you stand up here and you just talk to them. Every single week they come and, and, and I said, yeah, every single week. He said, I don't want to be rude. He goes, well, what do you tell them every single week? And I said, I, I tell you what. I said, you don't have to tell them this, but I tell them the same thing every single week. <laughs> and they're like, well, what do you mean? I said, yeah, well, it's different texts throughout the Bible. I preach the Bible, but I said, every text points to one single message. And it's called good news. Can I tell you about it? I'm like, yeah. And I talked about what? That God created everything out of nothing. And that God breathed into life. What? And formed from the dust of the ground, man and woman, and called them Adam and Eve. And they were given instruction to be obedient, but they chose to disobey. And as a result of that, there was a fall. And I just went through the story. And I talked about that there is a real holy God and all of us are sinners. And yet God created us to be in relationship and fellowship. But because of our sin, we can't have that relationship. But God had a plan to rescue people. And in that plan, he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to pay the price for all of my sins and all of your sins. 
What was amazing is that I was able to establish a relationship with those two guys. And we finished up that evening. They, they went out that door. And I remember meeting with the elders the very next week. I said, guys, yeah, I, I don't think this is going to work. We're like, we're in different ballparks. We're a million dollars shy. I remember asking, like, what do you say? Like, can we come up with a little bit more? Can we bump it up? Let's offer them 500. Let's, let's bump it up a little bit. And the guy said, no, we're, we're going to pray about it. And, and I, I, am, I am delighted with the fact that God has surrounded me with good and godly men over the years. And I, I wanted to, come on. And they're like, no, we're just going to pray about it. We prayed about it all that week in, in December. And then we prayed about it for two weeks. And then it went into a month. And a month went by. And I said, guys, what do you say we bump it up a little bit? We offer them a little bit more. Maybe they'll move. And they said, no, we're just going to pray about it. Six weeks, almost six weeks to the exact day. It was January I was uh, returning from the airport in State College. We had just dropped off our men's retreat speaker. It was a Monday, my day off, and I was driving in a horrible snowstorm um, on Route 80, the last flight. He got on the last flight before he got stuck in Philly that night. And I was driving on 80, like concentrating because of the storm. My phone rang, and it was one of those boys. He said, hey, Tim, he goes, you guys still interested in that warehouse? I said, yeah, man, but I said, we are, we're not even the same. I said, we're a million dollars off. He goes, can you step by my office? I'd like to chat. And I did. And he accepted that offer. I said, you know that piece of ground? I said, can you throw in a couple more acres? You know, a little bit more. (laughs) God gave us that too. Now, I, I don't know. I don't know about your world, but... But a million dollars is, is, is a pretty big flooded river to try to cross on our own, isn't it? And yet God said, just trust me. Even, even when my faith, it's, come on, guys, let's do a little bit more. No, let's just pray. Let's trust the Lord. God has been faithful in the past, and he will continue to be faithful in the future. We must, we must, we must put our trust in more than the visible. How many things does God call us to trust that we we can't see? How about our own salvation? Can you hold your salvation in your hand? Yeah, yeah, take a look at that. Can you? No. It's not visible. How about about our soul? How about our spirit? Is that that visible? But yet, do do we believe it exists? Yeah. How about God himself? None of us, none of us have ever seen God. If you recall, even Moses that we read about, there's no one else like Moses. If anyone should get a glimpse of God, it should have been Moses. But what does it say in Exodus chapter 33? God says, what? You cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. We've never seen God, but we see the evidence of God and we trust him. How about the hope of heaven? None of us have ever seen heaven, and yet we live every day with a desire knowing that I will see it. Or how about another place that's very real, that none of us have seen? That that the majority of people that you know, the majority, most of the people that you and I know, apart from them putting their faith in the full finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, will go 
to another place that none of us have ever seen. And none of us ever want to see what? It's a very real place called hell that is completely separated from a holy God. Place of eternal torment. And it's very real. You understand that God calls us to put our faith and our trust in more than the visible. And we've got to hold on to that if we are to fulfill what? The fact that we get uh, the privilege of having a little part in fulfilling God's perfect plan to rescue people. Thirdly and finally, what? Faith must be ready to move forward in spite of obstacles. Faith must be ready to move forward in spite of obstacles. It may not be literal floods, although after the last 24 hours, it might be floods. I don't know. But it, it, it may not be literal enemies that are, that are waiting to kill us on the other side of the river. But what I want you to understand, don't, don't ever be shocked or surprised. I have told you in the past, I will tell you today, and I will continue to tell you in the future where the word of God is preached. And as long as I am here, this is the only word that we will ever preach. Don't be shocked or surprised that where what? Where the work of God is being accomplished and it is being accomplished. Don't be shocked or surprised to know that wherever the people of God are hearing the word of God and are growing in the spirit of God to faith and maturity. Don't ever be shocked or surprised to know that there will always be challenges. There will always be obstacles and there will always be opponents let's go back a little bit think about um think about early church think about first church did they face some obstacles what obstacles read Acts chapter one Acts chapter two Acts chapter five Acts chapter seven it goes all the way through well what are some of the obstacles that the early church faced well let's 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 count here they were pretty small in number if you recall if, if you recall, they what? They were pretty limited in their resources. They had been marginalized by society. Their message literally was being mocked. There were critics and there were skeptics and there were threats. And yet the, 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 the church grew to a place that's described that literally it flipped the world upside down. So that as history continues, we have what? Throughout church history. How about our spiritual forefathers? Did they face obstacles? What are some of the obstacles throughout the centuries that our spiritual forefathers faced? Well, let's, let's list them for a moment. They were small in number. There's no doubt about that. They were limited in their resources. They were marginalized by society. Their message was mocked and there were critics and skeptics and, and threats throughout the centuries until today. So the present church, the church of Jesus Christ in America and the rest of the world, does the church of Jesus Christ face obstacles today? What are some of the obstacles that the church today faces? Well, let me just think for a moment. They're small in number in comparison to everyone else. Limited in resources at some level marginalized by society, a message, we preach a message that is literally mocked 
and there are critics and skeptics and threats. Do you, do you begin to see it? Do you begin to see the pattern that is existing right here? There is nothing new under the sun. But praise God, what? Praise God, what? Obstacles, challenges, opposition are to the work of the gospel what rain and sunshine are to a blossoming flower. Obstacles to the work of the gospel is what, is what rain and, 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 and sunshine are to the strength of a mighty oak. Don't ever be shocked or surprised. The prophets faced obstacles. The nation Israel faced obstacles. Jesus and his disciples faced obstacles. The early church faced them. Our spiritual forefathers faced them. The church of Jesus Christ, the blood-bought bride, the body of Christ, the building that is being built, those that have been called out, what, what, will face obstacles and opposition. But the family of God always, always moves forward, trusting in what? Not in man's words, not in man's wisdom, but trusting in the words of the Lord, where Jesus Christ himself said what? Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God is, God is writing a chapter in our history right now. And there's no doubt. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I have woken up in the middle of the night on more than one night in the past three to four years thinking, how in the world are we going to do this? But, but, but people mock our message. It doesn't matter. It's just it doesn't matter if there's opposition. It's not my church. It's not your church. It's his church, and God promises that he will build it. How, how do we start? How do we start this morning? God has a plan. God has a plan to rescue people, but those people must have faith in God's plan. May we this morning, may we this morning be reminded, regardless of how difficult regardless of how what, fast the river is, 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 is flooded and rushing in front of us. Faith moves. Faith moves knowing that this is the absolute foundation of everything that we do. That Christ is what? The author and the finisher. That he is our rock. And that he has privileged us. He has blessed us to have a little tiny part in his plan, rescuing people in this community and in this day. Father, I love you. I love this church and I I just love, Lord, where you've placed us in this very day, in this very hour. Where no doubt, no doubt, obstacles, opposition, But what a reminder, Lord, that it's not faith in ourselves. It's not our words. It's not our wisdom. It's not our church. It's yours. It's your words. It's your wisdom. It's your will. Give us the strength to be obedient. 
Give us the strength to increase in our faith so that it moves as we have the blessing of being part of your amazing plan of rescuing people. God, equip us, empower us, strengthen us. Thank you for your promises. That you will never leave, you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.